Hi, my name is Colin Frew, and you're listening to the Source Code Coffee Podcast. Today, we are joined by Gabe Boscana of Makina Coffee Roasters. As you'll hear, Gabe has a deep emotional connection to his work. He's a fantastic roaster, generous with his knowledge, and just so very kind. I've been drinking Makina coffee since I got its start a few years back, and I highly recommend you give it a try if you don't already know. As our first podcast guest this season, he really got Xavier and I excited for all the conversations to come. Thank you, Gabe. We're ready yeah. to hear uh, Mr. Gabe Oscana from Makina. Yes, Thank welcome, you so much Gabe. for joining us. Thanks. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm, man, I'm, I actually got the, you know, I was reading this last night. Yeah. Awesome. It's good, man. This is, this is really nice. It's awesome. very, it's, it's sort of like what every person that's even remotely interested in coffee should be reading. Like, yeah, seriously. Well, that's, that's a real honor to hear. And I'm, I'm so glad you accepted this, uh, you know, this invitation and, uh, I've known you for, for God, it's been like over t- 10, 12 years. I don't know. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, uh, just for context, for people to know, Gabe was my former boss at Intelligentsia, national roasting manager, has, I mean, I'm, I'm giving your intro now, fuck it, I, I'm going to do it, because I was like, oh, I'll do the intro later, but yeah, yeah you've worked yeah. at Cyclast, you, you worked at Ritual for a bit, right? Like I was the first uh, Ritual employee, official. Wow, yeah. yep. Ritual, then a Gimme as well? It you started with my first gig right after college, yeah, Gimme Coffee. Yeah. In Ithaca, I mean, so you're a coffee here. dinosaur. You're straight Dude, up I, like, I think this is like my, I want to say this is my 22nd year. Wow. If you were a dinosaur, would you, what kind of dinosaur? A pterodactyl maybe? You'd be a, a T-Rex? <laughs> I don't know. But you have a lot of coffee experience. No, you, you've be been like, everywhere. I'd be like a gentle brontosaurus or whatever. There you go. Talking. Yeah, yeah. You're the vegetarian. So that has to be a, a veggie dino. Okay. Yeah, 20, 22 years in, in, in the coffee industry. That's, you've seen quite a few different iterations of, exactly. of how the business goes yeah huh? oh yeah man I've, I've seen it i've seen it also in a, in a way you know i used to be much angrier i still am a little angry about some stuff yeah also wisdom and you know like oh you know people just have to figure it out on their own pace and that's so i've seen i've seen all kinds of stuff yeah sort of settle in a in a in a place of like patience because yep. things always work themselves out you just have to let people you know do it you can't Absolutely. do better to save people, you know, yeah. hard lessons, mm-hmm. you know? So you're a, like you're a business owner now. It sounds like most of your experience has been around roasting coffee, yep. working with like, when did, when did the roasting side of your, your career start? I did, um, <clears throat> I gave me coffee. I was just like a barista. And then I did, uh, I managed the stores for them, uh, one store. Then when I moved to the West Coast, um, I, I, I did the competition circuit for a while, actually. I did a lot of, uh, I never, I, I could never beat Heather Perry in California ever. I always came in second place, um, but I did that for a bit. And then when Ritual switched over to roasting, you know, they were serving Stumptown. Uh, they were the first account outside of the state of Oregon for Stumptown because uh, they were like very hardcore about, you know, they didn't want to go outside of Portland. And when ritual decided to roast i was like i volunteered immediately because i thought all right i've done the barista thing enough i was sort of tired of retail you know and that customer facing Mm -hmm. stuff i just didn't want to do it anymore um and i really really wanted to understand roasting i still kind of (laughs) don't you know i sort of get it i have a a good handle on it but i I learn every day yeah Um, 
And so I, I think Dwayne Sorensen, when he was still the owner and he was, you know, founder of Stumptown, he was like still roasting and buying coffee. He, he lent Ritual the oldest working probot outside of Germany, which is a 1919 five kilo probot. Wow. Super finicky machine, super finicky. Um, he had to really pay attention. He had to do all these weird like combustion stuff. It was weird. Um, he didn't really, I would, I would say he didn't train us really. He just sort of gave us like very overarching like philosophies of like, don't fuck with the gas too much you know, so that you can repeat things, um, listen to the coffee, you know, be, be a Jedi master. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we, he, he was like, here you go. Here's this like old machine that is hard to use Buy a good coffee. You should be fine. Buy a good coffee, have a heat source and just cup and cup and cup. And he's like that, that's all you need to know. He was, I mean, he's totally right. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's pretty much where we're at. So. <laughs> exactly. So that's when I started roasting like a, a while ago. Um, and then, and then sort of slowly moved into, um, other jobs. And, and eventually my first buying gig was at Intelligentsia, um, when I was the doing roasting management stuff, um, you know, they needed like a team of people to buy coffees cause they were buying so much. Um, and that was my first introduction to, into buying, uh, in, green coffee. In which country was that? Nicaragua. It was Nicaragua and Mexico were my two countries. And then I, I, I was pulling real hard for the Dominican Republic, but it, it was, it was, it, it was not of their interest. So yeah. I never, wait, no yeah. Puerto Rico. What's up with that? What's <laughs> they, yeah, no, not man, yet. no, not yet. Not yet. Not, they weren't ready. One um, day. Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. Actually, this is weird, but I have the son of a cousin of mine works at, Oh, I think it's on San Pedro. It's like Hacienda. I'll get the name, but yeah, he's this kid. I mean, I met him when he was like little, you know, like mm -hmm. he's seven years old and now he's like a man and he's like, working in this hacienda in puerto rico in a in like wow. a coffee bar. it's wild it's so weird yeah we'll have to touch base outside of, yeah we'll definitely like i'm i'm interested you know we, we've been talking about this for years so yeah um yeah. very cool um well i guess so the the main thing that we want to focus on is, is just this conversation around uh yeah as it, as we've just gone through you have years of experience all with roasters that are, uh, you know, of a similar mindset to what we're all still pursuing, which is this idea of uh, a fair price for farmers, sustainable supply chain. Um, and so with Makino, what's, do you have an overarching, you know, strategy to what you're doing with sourcing your green coffee? Um, yeah, I guess it's not, I don't know if it's a strategy. It's just a life philosophy that I apply sure. to mm -hmm. Makino, which is, find really good people that you can trust that want to build a relationship with you in a, in a real way, you know, um, and that you believe in it, They don't have to be, you know, I don't look for the all-star producers ever, you know, I'm not, I'm not, they're good. They're set. They have their relationship, mm -hmm. they understand the market. I'm more interested in, and I'm not even looking for gems per se. I'm looking for really good relationships first, because I think that that is, is actually harder to find good coffee. I don't think it's hard to find. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you talk to other people, it's very easy. I think finding the right partner that understands what you're trying to do and that you trust them as well. I think that's the tougher um, thing to do. Um, so my strategy really is tapping into relationships, trying coffees. I, I feel like a cheerleader a lot of the time, you know, for mm -hmm. the producers is, is, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a good business person. I'm not in there like numbers. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, what, let's see what you have. Let's look at your farm. Um, 
you know, have you tasted your coffee? Like ways to engage them in a human way that they, you, you build a trust and then you can talk business. I can't talk business without trust. That's not, that's like a waste of my time. You know, if I don't trust somebody, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm, there's no way I'm doing any sort of transaction. Um, right. So, um, I do talk about price with some, you know, I use a, importers a lot, obviously to, to, to form some relationships, but, um, i I would say 80% of the coffees that I purchase, I purchase multiple times, you know, every year I purchase them. Mm-hmm. So every year I push a little bit more in terms of like, what can we, t- what can we do about pricing? You know, is this fair? Is this a fair price? That's a really convoluted question because every country is different, you know, cost mm-hmm. of living is different. Um, what the weather has brought on that year, you know, is going to change things for them, how they maintain their farm, fertilizing, pr- fertilizer prices are different. Um, they might have a fucking need that year where like, I don't know, their kid got sick and they, they, they need more assistance, they need more resources. So all that stuff is very convoluted, but for the most part, I start by asking them what they think is a fair price. Cause I'm not, I don't determine that. I don't think I should be determining that. I know what I like the value, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I know what the, the coffee is valuable to me, but to put a price on it, I would rather empower them to start that conversation first and then usually it goes up from there. <laughs> yeah. You know, rarely do, do I go, I, I don't think I've ever been like, I want it cheaper. Cause I just think that's insulting. Um, Absolutely. So your negotiations go in the opposite direction of what yes. the, oh, I the traditional that. business mindset <laughs> might lead you to do. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, it's, it's just, it's, it's way more complicated because you have to add not only, you know, first, do they even know what their cost of production is? Most producers don't, they don't even know how to, they don't even know how to get there. So start that like, well, how much typically do you spend to produce this much coffee? I mean, it's like little details and you, you mm-hmm. have to start it there. And then, so just because they give you the cost of production, right? Obviously they want to make a margin. They don't know what that margin is. They don't know if it's 20%, 50%. They haven't even thought of that. They just want to sell the coffee so they can pay their debt, you know, yeah. for the, for the small producers. <clears throat> So if they say to me, oh, you know, I want, like, it would be great to get, you know, 275 FOB. I'm like, okay. So I'm doing the calculations in my head, you know, like I got the importing fees. All right. That gives me, uh, let's say that it's like 310 a pound. In my experience for the 20 years I've been in coffee, that's still too fucking cheap. That is still too cheap, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So I usually go up. Like if they say 275, I go, what about three? Let's just start at three and see where where we're at. And then, you know, we can talk more about details. If you need something else, if you need more assistance, like, do you need baskets? Do you need boots? Do you need hats? Like what else do you need on the farm to help you collect the coffee or process it? That's a, 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 a relatively new shift um, for Makina where I'm, I'm actually starting to ask those questions. Like, what do you need on the farm? You know, um, what can we help with? And it's usually mm-hmm. simple things. They're mm-hmm. not, you know, they're not like, I want fresh fucking rims on my Toyota Hilux. Like they're not. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like yeah, and I, I mean the the yeah. cash issue for farmers can be e- yeah, like e- even to you know, I, I was many many farmers have alternate sources of income as well. I imagine, but the the main paycheck from coffee is going to come once a year. Exactly. And so yep. For us, if we have the ability to to stretch out our assistance, um, even if it's yeah, offering that. I know we've had systems before where we, we pay like a, a fair price initially, and then we'll give, you know, kind of a second bonus follow, later yeah, on. You'd follow up. You'd follow up. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't remember who did this, but I do. I, I remember talking to someone who was an importer, small importer. And they said that 
they were thinking about, and I don't know if they did it. And I'm curious about what, what maybe you guys think about this too, because I thought it was interesting. They're like, you know, they offer whatever the, the negotiated price is for the coffee as it arrives, let's say, you know, if it arrives at 85 points, um, here's the price. And he was talking about, you know, you set that, but if the coffee arrives and genuinely the coffee cups better, he would put a premium, like he'd send back more money, you know? So if you got 30 bags at it and 87, he say, I'll, I'll give you an extra 75 cents per dollar per pound uh, because the coffee actually arrived better than we had negotiated. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a really interesting model. I'm sure that it's not like a business savvy or <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like it can get complicated because then what happens if the coffee gets there and it doesn't meet, you know, there's, sure. it's so nuanced. Um, you can't put like a blanket um, sort of uh, strategies to the coffees. And I think it depends on your relationship with the producer. Yeah. You know, how long have you known them? Um, mm -hmm. How much have you bought from them? Um, those are all nuances that you can't put on a spreadsheet. And I think that's the, I think that's where smaller roasters collide with really big companies. Mm -hmm. um, because I, I, I look at it holistically. I don't really look at it as a blanket. Like here's, here's my spreadsheet. Here are the origin. Here's the pricing. Here's the, what I'm going to charge. Um, I don't buy coffee that way. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know, Go ahead. Yeah, no, but I, so I think about, just, I'm, I'm hearing everything you're saying and I think about one important uh, factor in this whole, like the supply chain, which is the, the relationship. So like you, yeah. you the, the producers um, understanding that you care enough to ask them about their needs and how you can help them supplement in ways that perhaps other buyers or importers are not able to um, do. What What is your like, um, what is your personal take takeaway in, in, in having that sort of business model? You know, like, is it a, yeah. Like how, like, what do I, what do I get out of it doing it that way? Yeah. I mean, I guess that, yeah, because there's, you know, we, 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 we pride ourselves in, in, I mean, we collectively, we, we yeah. love visiting uh, origin and we love connecting with producers because it feels like coming home. Sometimes it feels like family and they are a part of your business and they are, so, some people would say they're part of your family. So yeah. How, like what, what is your, I guess, sort of personal takeaway in this whole, in the supply chain? Um, I think I just, if you're going to do something in your life, you know, if, you, if you're going to devote that much time and energy and effort, you might as well feel good about it. And it makes me feel good um, mm -hmm. personally to connect with somebody else on a human level. And, and because if I, I'm under the, the, the belief of, if you can do, yeah. you know, if you can do yeah. it, then do it. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. If you can do it, don't sit back and not do it. That seems like a like then what, what's the what's the purpose? You know? So it, it's a very simple answer. Like I find joy in in not like handing out stuff to people, right? Because that's that's patronizing, but more like I find joy in connecting with somebody and letting them know, and this this is gonna get real spiritual, but it, mm -hmm. letting them know that they matter, yeah, that what they're doing matters that their life is significant, that, that they affect other people besides just like their circle of people. Um, and that I, I, I don't want to give handouts, but it's more like, I, I want to let them know, like, I'm here to also help you help yourself, not mm -hmm. to just like, here's a check, you know, but more like, let's have a conversation. I think that relationship is, it, it's also karmic. Like if you build relationships in a positive way and you try to always do the right thing, like really generally, you always try to do, maybe it's not the right business thing, but it's the right human thing. 
I do think that that reverberates and you, your company and your business will grow out of that. Like you will get something positive out of helping somebody else every fucking time. Maybe mm, it's absolutely, not, maybe it's not money, you know, but it's this sort of like energy, man. You're just feeding the, the good energy. Um, that's what I get out of it. I just feel really good thinking like I did my best for this relationship. Like I showed up to it, they showed up and we have more work to do, but like, I, I can trust that they're going to show up next time again and meet me at the table. The problem I think that happens is in coffee. And I saw this with even intelligentsia, you know, and, and this is not me talking shit. This is the, the reality, right? It's a, it's a colonial system. It's antiquated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a bunch of white people coming down to a brown country where people are fucking poor and going, well, I'm going to buy all your coffee and it's going to feel great for me. But mm-hmm. it's a, the power differential is fucked up because the person that is, has the money has all the power and they're the ones that are actually dictating what is happening in a farm that they don't fucking own and they don't work. Yeah. They've never like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they've been their generations. They know their, they know exactly like how the sun hits in a certain spot. They know exactly like something's wrong with the tree. And yet we're not paying them for that fucking knowledge, like generational knowledge. We're not, yeah. you know, yeah. um, instead we're going, well, I want to put this on the menu. So I'm going to, you know, like I want the best of the best, but I don't want to pay this much. I yeah. saw that shit all the time. I want, the 87s, but I want to pay like the prices that I would pay for an 83. And she's like, get the fuck out of here. Do you know how hard this is to do over and over the risk that they take every year? So the, in, in that sense, the value is put on the buyer it kind of sets the rules, you know? And I don't believe in that. I think that the producer should be invited to the table as an equal because they have what we fucking want. So actually the leverage should be on, they should have the leverage, not us. Yeah, they, yeah, absolutely. They don't because they're they're in a situation mostly not everybody but the smaller producers you know they're they're not rich uh they're constantly chasing their tail trying to make things make ends meet um coffee is not profitable for most of them it's just not um they're constantly taking out loans to make things work and here we are in our cafes pouring these beautiful coffees and telling these stories and there's a huge disconnect of what is actually really happening with producers on the ground and, and what, what customers see in the fancy cafes, you know, um, we have to very, we have to be humble and actually put our bullshit egos aside and like Mm -hmm. respect the producers to know what they're talking about and invite them to the table as equals, not as, not as, you know, um, sub, uh, yeah, subhumans. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it makes me, that's the stuff that gets me angry because I see it. I see it. I'm like, yeah. you're this person like they're a fucking idiot and they're not, you know, yeah. they just have a it, different set of knowledge bases than you do. This yeah. Makes dumber, you know? and, and, and have mm-hmm. you, you've seen, I mean, through your travels and, and visiting producers, you've, perhaps you've seen examples of that. Like you've seen other people that, you know, visit perhaps, you know, a group or a producer and, and it's yes. just sort of feels like there's a hierarchy between like, here's the, the poor farmer and here's the coffee buyer. And, oh, uh, totally. Yeah. Also the, and you feel, you also feel it as, as I'm sure you do too. Like when you travel, yeah. there's a sense of like, oh my God, here comes the buyer. You yeah. know, I just mm-hmm. want to be like, look, I'm like anybody else. Like I'm not special. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm actually very interested in what you do with your, with your farm and your land. Like I, I'm here to learn from you. Um, but I don't think enough buyers, I don't think enough buyers approach producers that way. Um, yeah. I think they see them as commodities, yep. you know, like, like a nice picture with them. You yeah. Know? 
I, and that's one thing I'm, I personally speaking, I'm really careful to not to, I mean, I want to be considerate yeah. if, and when I do take photos with producers to, yeah. to not appear as if like I'm stepping into their farm and I'm like, so, you know, I don't know, some, some coffee buyer from the States, yeah. um, you know, but wait, that, but let me stop you. Let me stop you there because yeah. I think that, you know, this leads me to representation matters. You are a Latino man. Yes. It is very different for someone like you to oh. go to go to family yeah. and have, you know, and have those conversations versus somebody who's very wealthy. They're disconnected in a lot of ways yeah. from the community and they're just like making demands. You know, yep. I think that's, I've, I think I've that's seen a bad. few of them in the field on the origin <laughs> trips I've been. It's, it's a, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful for these perspectives as a white man going yeah. into the industry. I, I'm, I'm glad that Wait, Colin, you know, you're white. I'm sorry to <laughs> Wait, break what? it to you. I hope this doesn't hurt in our relationship. But it's you know. It's, I thought you were from Trinidad. I don't. I was like, no, he's Argentinian, well, man. He's from Argentina. And I, and you know, I started like before I worked in coffee. I, I grew up in a, as a part of like a Christian church community, and my first time in Latin America was on a mission trip in Honduras, and that was like sort of the 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 lens that i saw everything through and and as i've been like continually deconstructing that lens it, it's it's increasingly made me aware of this whole yeah so, so much of the so much of our industry is still tied up in that sort of white savior complex in the way that we talk yep. about mm-hmm. you know how we interact with farmers and it's yeah and just the stories that we tell, even when you like, how can you talk about a farm that is, you know, from some European descent families that, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's ways that we can talk about those people that that doesn't make them bad people, right? But, you know, their history. There, there's a lot of farmers doing amazing work, helping their community, and you know, that, using you their privilege it. and resources. You totally said it. That's the way you talk about it. You don't talk about it from your perspective as a buyer you actually kind of like become invisible so that you can actually tell the farmer story and to, to who they are. They're not just this brown person picking cherries, right? Mm-hmm. They have a full life. They have a full life. They have families. They do things in their communities. Like that's the way that you could engage is you sort of remove yourself from it and let them and like push them forward, you know, that you, you become a conduit versus the, the narrator. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you know, we're all, we have to somewhat narrate, but I think that we can, that narration can be led mostly by the person that we want to tell their story. Yeah. You know, well, let me ask you this. I'm going to switch gears for a moment yeah. here and kind of touching sort of like on what you're saying, but what, what is your opinion or what happens when you see that sort of like, this is how you're, you're running your business. This is how you communicate um, your mission. And then you see perhaps some other company out in the world and they're, sort of copying that same narrative, but you kind of already know that they're not doing it that way. What What's your take on, because I can tell, I mean, we talked about this and that could be a whole nother episode. Um, that, that'll be the dirty <laughs> that's episode. Like that's, that's, the, that's the bad episode. We're going to drop some F-bombs and talk about some real crazy stuff. But you know, it's just, but it's, we got to be real, right? Because we know that it happens. You could source an 86 point coffee for a dollar and a half, two bucks, you know, and, and you know, it, it doesn't take a genius to know it's definitely not a sustainable price, you know, especially where the market is at. And, yeah. you know, we, we, by we, I mean, all collectively, like, yeah, that, that the, you know, in our industry, um, I, I want to think that we all want to do better. But at the same time, I'm seeing uh, a lot of growth in the specialty 
market. And it's, it's hard for me to believe that they're coming online right away with 10 cafes. I don't mean they, I mean, anybody with 10 cafes and all these like massive roasters and, and all this wholesale presence. And suddenly they've already developed these quote unquote direct trade relationships and we're buying yeah. ethically, et cetera, et cetera. And I, 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 if that's the case, awesome. I love it. We should right. all be doing yeah. that. I will go buy their coffee. I will tell people shop there, right. yeah. but you know, it's just, if, if, and when you bring up the conversation with those folks, like, Hey, let's show me yours and I'll show you mine. That's actually yeah. not the way I meant to say, it. but you know, yeah. it's, let's, let's all trade yeah. information. Let's really express and and when that's not possible, then it's sort of you know that maybe this isn't quite what transparency is seeing. not there, yeah. right? Yeah. Transparency is so. Your question is like, how do you how do you negotiate that? Like, how do you um, combat that? Is that what yeah? I mean, I guess how do you how do you not not come to terms with it, but like how do you how does that impact you? Like when you know that your um, your your focus is to build these relationships to adhere to I think what our industry really wants, which is to be equitable and transparent in, in your ways and also champion quality. Like that's, that's yep. not, I mean, that's, that should be what we're all about. And I believe a lot of us are, but yeah. um, you know, you, then you have the sort of the wolves with the sheepskin in the industry and that that's, and I, I see that as sort of a little bit dangerous, you know, like, because then on the retail end, what, how does that, what are you communicating when somebody's paying a lot for the packaging and it looks like beautiful? I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know if there's, you know, to be honest, it's a, it's going to be a bummer answer, but I don't know if there's the, I think it's like in life when you see somebody, you can certainly can call them up privately and say, Hey, like, you know, I was wondering if, and like you said, if, if it's a dead end, then it's a dead end. If they're not willing sure. to give you information, then like, that's it. So then the, the immediate next step is to then take that interaction and let it fuel what you're doing right so if you see somebody mm -hmm. that's kind of an asshole you can't you're not responsible for their assholery they are all you can do is worry about your own reaction to it and what, what you do about yep. it with yourself so it's the yep. same in business it's like well take that and go okay i'm learning from that what not to do so then i'm going to become even more transparent i'm going to say i'm going to publish exactly what the farm gate price is I'm going to publish the take home of that farmer because that's still really hard to do. That's really hard to, to figure it out. Mm -hmm. At least for me, it's still been really like touchy conversations. People don't, unless you talk to the producer to their face, even they're going to be like, Oh, I actually don't know the exact number. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh yeah. The take home. So yeah. that that's still a big struggle, but I think, I think that you, I don't know if there's a way to, um, I would say that there's a lot of companies that do that. There's a lot of companies that claim all this, um, all this stuff, but when you look at the numbers, I'm gonna guess that it, it, they're not paying great prices for them. They're paying cheap prices. Yeah. So then it's a volumes game. Well, I bought a container, so that makes it's like that's fine, but they still have to produce a container's worth of coffee. That's a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so it, if we continue to play the game of the the what is it the the economies of scale, the the producer always loses, right? Um, unless they're like a really wealthy estate owner or something. Um, I think the only way to combat that is, is to be very transparent with your own stuff and tell more stories and keep, keep humanizing and really making the, the farmer as human as possible. And as three dimensional as possible, like in that back to the beginning, man, the relationship, yeah. it's the relationship. Like yeah. you're going to buy these coffees. Also, it's a little bit of a sidetrack, but I was thinking about, you said quality. 
And I think there's also this thing that I see that as someone who's been in coffee for this long, the, I just buy micro lots. I buy anaerobic, only anaerobic. They're great. But if you're only buying these very tiny, like amounts of beautiful coffees, you're not also, you're also not helping anybody Mm -hmm. (laughs) because even those prices are not sustainable that you're paying. Even if you're paying seven bucks a pound green, that's probably not the price you should be paying. You probably have to pay more. And that's not sustainable. Like that amount of work never gives the producer a return. That's mm-hmm. that's legit. It doesn't. It's right. Like, so it's that idea of buying, you know, two percent of a farmer's harvest at yeah. a good price versus you know eighty percent of the harvest at exactly. a at a so good. So you price. can do like I'm totally down with like um, anaerobic stuff and and the producer trying stuff, especially if there's a relationship that's been built by the buyer and them, so that that the the risk is shared. You know, you have to share the risk. We are not used to that. We want to put all the fucking risk on the producer and have none of the risk, you know, which is fucked up. We have to change mm-hmm. that. Too. That's part of the conversation. But I think also the reality in terms of like what you just said, Xavier, quality, and then seeing these companies having these coffees at like affordable prices at the retail side, because then you do the backwards math and you're like, wait, if they're charging this for this much, how the, there's no way they're paying you know, over two bucks a pound or something like, yeah, you, you can do the math, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we have to also, <clears throat> in terms of the, being the small quality focus and relationship focus roasters is to sort of embrace the reality that like what you just said, Colin, like if a producer is producing like 84, you know, consistently in 84 coffee, pay a really, really, really good price for that. I don't mean overpay. I mean like pay a just price and buy that because that's the bulk of their business. That's the bulk of what they're producing. Instead of making that producer really zero in and focus on, like you said, 2% of their farm. And so cool, so you just bought five bags for Mm -hmm. seven bucks a pound, awesome. That is not gonna get them through the year. So looking, like pulling back and looking at it, not like a skew for your business, Mm -hmm. but like as a holistic, like how can I positively impact this person's um, production and, and their livelihood. I know that I'm a, I'm a for-profit business. I know that, but a lot of my philosophies are sort of, they're, they're just more cooperative oriented and collaborative oriented. Um, cause I want to know that Makina, even if, even if their total production is 10 bags, if Makina can buy that, the whole thing for a really good price, that producer is going to feel empowered to do the same or better and produce more the following year. And so then you grow together. Right. And yeah. then I can ask whatever Sulano Futano, whatever, like you can ask them like, oh, can you do me like a, you know, do you have any yellow bourbons? Yes. Is there any chance that I can pay you to collect just yellow bourbon trees? You know, but you have to build the trust and the relationship and the history to, to ask them to do that um, so that it's it continues to be a sustainable model. But I, I just I, I don't like the idea of like and I know they're out there companies that just buy the 87s. It's like that doesn't that doesn't do anything. Yeah. You know? That just uh, makes you and, and I see a lot of advertising that way, you know, that we only buy the finest coffees. That's, you know, it's, and it's kind of, it's, it's such a common narrative now that it, it sort of just falls in his noise. Um, I do have one question that kind of goes along with uh, it. I think it's a, just a direct question that we're trying to, I, I'm really interested to hear this perspective from everyone. Yeah. So um, how is quality tied to the price of the coffee in, Ooh. in your perspective? I guess that's subjective and it depends on the country you're dealing with, right? Because mm-hmm. 
I mean, I think it, sh- I think it should be, I think quality should be like, if it's like, um, I don't think it should be tied directly to it, but I think that we should be offering premiums for quality, you know? So again, like you said, a base, a, a really solid, good, sustainable base price. And then be honest, like if you cup it and you're like, fuck, this is really good. I, I want to pay you more. That's how I operate. And it's not like, again, it's not like a spreadsheet or formula based. It's by gut. It's like, right. damn, mm-hmm. coffee, like if this producer is, you know, if we set a, let's just say, for example, we, we set a, a, an FOB price of again, like, let's just say three bucks. Like I, you know, I know the production's low. I know um, what this person's dealing with. Like I, I sort of know what their operation looks like. And I feel like, like a three bucks FOB for like an 84.5, 85 is a fair price. You know, and we both feel good about it. He's like, no, that's great. Or she's like, that's awesome. That covers my costs. I get some money. That's great. But if I cup that coffee and it's clearly above that, I need to pay more. Like, I can't just like be like, wow, I just, I just got away. I got lucky. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I got lucky. And you know, like, man, so many people that, that, that I respect and like, I know you know, they talk about like, oh, we want to pay for prices. But man, the minute that C market dips, they're fucking woohoo, let's buy. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's infuriating because it's this, gen- it's, it's not genuine, you know? Yeah. It's, genuine. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not, we should all be appalled when the C market goes below like 180, to be honest, you yeah. know? It's not sustainable. So I think that in terms of quality, I do think that. I think you set a base price in general for whatever that quality marker is for every, for, for yourself, for your company. And then if it goes, if, it, if the coffee comes in above that, then pay more. Like it's okay to go, you know what? I'm going to give you 25 cents more per pound because that's sort of blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that I don't think it should be like attached in a linear sense, but I think there has to be some sort of, you know um, I don't know, like not reward, but, but there's got to be some sort of compensation if a coffee comes in and they've done a really solid fucking good job, a job better than you expected. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so it's really assuming at first you have to make sure that every single pound of coffee that you buy, that like the, the, the goal that we're all looking to do then is to set up that base price at more than enough to yeah. ensure that the farmer is making a profit that yeah. incentivizes them to return to the fields the next year to keep yes. up the labor to, yeah. to just, you know, keep them stable. Yeah. It's, it's almost like I was thinking about with that, with the C price and people focusing on that. It, I kind of think about it like, like federal minimum wage, like who could live off of that? Exactly. They can't like, and, and I feel like most people, most, yeah, we, we would I, all agree. Like if you had, you know, was it like $7 an hour? Could you imagine? Yeah. I mean, imagine now, like a lot of people don't want to go back to work, understandably. So who can blame them because mm-hmm. the the wages are low, you know, that's why yeah. we're having this, this, the challenges we're having in our country now. And it's no different in origin. You know, I think that's a uh, oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and think about, you know, this past year with COVID and like the, the strains that, that they felt right. Yeah. With, I can't even fucking imagine like dealing with COVID at origin while you're trying yeah. to get coffee out the door, you know? Um, and it's still, paid, you yeah. know, not even there, there, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of resolution in any of the countries. No, it's that, really bad. It's still in contact bad with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I don't, I, I think because I always, and I don't know if you have experienced this in your own um, careers and other jobs, whenever a company is like feeling like they need, they're like, oh shit, we got to make more money this, you know, this quarter or whatever 
the first thing they go to almost always is like, we got to buy cheaper coffee. Oh yeah. You know? And it's like, what the fuck? But that's not the answer. The answer is push the fucking consumer to understand that they've been paying too little for too fucking long. Yeah. So of course it seems like this is expensive. It's like, no dude, this is what it should have been. You're just skewed because you bought, you've been buying this shit for way too little for way too long. And so any movement towards just seems like a huge increase, but that's Mm -hmm. actually false. You know, oh, yeah, like, yeah, coffee should have been here, any here, yeah, but you were paying here, and now because it goes up to like this, you're like, oh my god, you know, it, it, I think we we need to do a better job, and that means from small companies like Metric and like Machina to Intelligentsia size companies to Pete's to Starbucks, it's like, it, like in general, we need to un, like push the consumer that they have to pay more. You want this fucking coffee, this is what it costs versus like the constant you know chase race to the bottom of we need to buy cheaper coffee yeah you know, because yeah. who suffers in that the, the the producer suffers the producer is the one that ends up carrying that burden of the cheaper truly the cheaper price so they're hustling and trying to make more coffee and they're getting paid less and less you know let me ask you this i actually just brought the something you just said reminded me of uh, i was thinking about um technology and so like yeah. how do, you know do you feel technology could be a really good solution to aid and transparency because you know the challenge here is that you know we could we could uh make claims about paying more for coffee and they could, they're they're true claims but how do we how does the public how can we let the public know that it, those prices are in fact uh sustainable or fair you know that that's the challenge because that's that's the, that's yeah. my question you know that's what's so, the challenge we have is that we yeah. we can have uh, reports we can show transparency we can show contracts which we do in source code but yeah. then you know it'll still bring up a whole host of other questions so i'd love I, to hear your thoughts on that you no know, yes i think you know because i also i i buy coffee for bellwether right and they yep. just um uh there's a woman grayson caldo who i work with and she did like the verifiable living income or verified living income project. And that's great because they literally, what they did was um, they went to a specific cooperative and they did all kinds of metrics, all mm-hmm. kinds of it said, okay, here, here's actually the base. I think for this particular cooperative, I think the FOB that was fair, that met all of their needs, they, they got their profit was like 220. They, th- that's for last year. Obviously that has to be renegotiated every year. Um, prices go up and down but they were consistently getting paid 190. So when they actually, when the cooperative got this stuff back, like, you know, a white paper of like, here's all the research. And they felt good when they were like, holy shit, 220. They felt so empowered. They were like, we're never going to take less than that again. It was amazing amazing. because we had the actual data. I mean, I'm sure that a lot of importers were not happy about that. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I think that in terms of using technology, I do think that there's a way. One is, I think we have to be more comfortable being very aggressive about why we pay what we pay, about why we're charging what we're charging and not back down. Because I think a lot of times too, like before I get to the technology point, I think a lot of times we get sort of bullied. Well, I paid like this over there in this coffee shop, or I paid this online for this coffee. And it's like, okay, great. Then you can continue to buy from them. You know, this is what it costs for us because we're doing this, 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 and this, and, and show exactly what is paid. But I think the tough part for a small company is how do you figure out what a verifiable living income is um, on our scale? That's yeah. really, really hard. So thinking about 
what the cost of living is per the region that you're buying from and finding out whatever that is and then doing the all the work of okay if this is what you need per year here's what they you know for family of four then you have this is what they produce every year this is what they sell every year at what price and then you can see whether they, they come out positive or negative um i think using technology to maybe like with the producers that you've worked for a long time where they're literally putting in I don't know, have, have some sort of system where they're putting in all those inputs for you. Like mm -hmm. this year, we, we spent this much in fertilizer this year. And then at the bottom, they can give you the, the you know, the, the production cost. Um, and you can show that and you can say, this is what it costs to make this Honduras whatever per pound. Here's what we paid. Here's their take home. I feel like you have to simplify it. So use the technology yep. to get all the data and aggregate it. And it spits out a number and then publish it. I think um, Coffee Collective is really good about every year they do a, a huge report. But I also know that from them, they they are very aggressive about like here is our mission and we're not wavering from it. Like so, if you don't want to, if you don't want to like pay our pricing, that that's fine. But we're not gonna switch that because you can get that cup of coffee somewhere else or another Colombia from whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think provide if there's a way to provide your producers with either an iPad or something that they can just start plugging in that stuff and then you can immediately get that information that day, you can start building your portfolio for metric or for Machina. Like yeah, here's, yeah. here's what everything looks like for us this year. And then you can see year after year how it fluctuates. Um, but then you can also see the progress. You know, they're yielding more this year because we paid because we actually paid more last year, they were able to actually get more fertilizers in the ground. They're able to hire more people to take care of the trees. It's all connected. Mm -hmm. you know? um, I, I don't know about any consumer facing technology, but I, I can see that um, for a producer to have connectivity to you um, so that you can help them figure out what those, those costs are, um, I think would be super helpful. And also feedback, right? That you can, yeah. after you've sold the last bag of their coffee, you can say, you know, here's the feedback from the customers. Here's how much we sold of it. Here's how quickly we sold it so that they understand that they're part of your business. Because a yeah. lot of times they just sell it and that's it. They never see the coffee. They don't know who it goes to, you yeah. know, in that sense, we're not partners, right? Because they don't, they don't see the whole thing the whole way through. Yep. Um, you know, no, totally. And I wonder like, you know, we, so in the source code where you, we work with uh, Azahar Coffee, we're export yeah. partners in Colombia and we're not for, for their help and also donating the data. I wouldn't be, have been able to properly been able to, to log all of uh, Nelson Chavez's uh, cost of production from 2018 to 2020. So yeah. big, big thanks to Azahar for that. But awesome. I wonder like if, you know, if we can, if roasters can push the export partners to be, take more of an active role in that, yes. you know, I wonder what kind of, what kind of world would we, you know, or, or rather trade would, would have, you know, and I, and I could see it much, it would be for the better because a lot of like, you know, like you were saying, you're not a business guy. I'm not a business guy. You know, like I'm not going in thinking like, you yeah. know, oh, I need to figure out exactly what, you know, like all the numbers, uh, you know, I, I, I want to trust other people that can provide those transparency reports and be yeah. able to, um, yeah, just help us make sense of it. Because at the end of the day, I want to make sure that the price we're paying is indeed, um, yes sustainable and also work, you know, that it works for the producer. And, um, and I also sort of separately, I think about, um, 
in a simple way, I, 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 I use WhatsApp as a way to communicate yeah. with most of the producers. Okay. And it's really like, yeah. hey, how's, you know, we call them or they literally put all the numbers, they take photos and a piece yeah. of paper and here's the cost of production. And that's really, really, really helpful. Uh, but for us working with our partners at Azahar in Colombia, it's been, um, it's, it's, it's been really fruitful in, 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 the, in a way that um, I understand the producer is happy. They're earning yeah. uh, a, sustain, a more sustainable income. And I also know exactly what all of the associated costs are up until right. it gets to the retail bag, which is really, really important. And this, this whole magazine was an exercise to learn more about that and also communicate all the costs included, because that's really like, you know, part of it was like, why, why does Makina sell a 20 bag, a $20 bag of coffee, you yeah. know? And I think like, what is metric or anybody intelligentsia right. and all our, our production costs are different than yours, yes. you know, and, and different than uh, a verbs of the world and uh, totally. you know, the black and white coffee roasters, you know, and, and that's, that's okay. But, and we should all make a profit, but at the same time, how do we ensure that we have what we call, what we're calling full spectrum equity, you know, from the farmer to so that, people that, that work here. How do you make sure that all those companies, right, yes. with all the production costs, because California yep. is the, the, where I am in PA, whatever, in Chicago. Yep. But regardless, if it, let's just say that we all bought the same coffee, right? And we're all we're all charging twenty bucks for that same coffee from the same farm. How do we make sure that at the end of the day, the producer got the same price from all of us? Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think that what you just touched on, you know, as a heart, cause I know, I know Federico, um, I've spoken to him quite a bit. Like I know that they're also, it's finding very, very, um, solid, uh, partners who are super into transparency and they open their books and they do, they tell you that he's like, this is what we make. We, we have our, our margins that we have to make. So take that to the side. And then here's everything else. I think finding people that have your philosophy and understand what you're trying to do and are not only in favor of it, but actually encourage you to do it. Mm-hmm. And sort of join you in that, I think is really important. I think if you're working with an importer or an exporter that's like shady or like they're not into it or they think that you're trying to screw them or something, it's not going to work because we're mm-hmm. not, it's the concept of, you know, how people, um, there's this political concept of, well, um, if I give an inch, then you're just going to kick me out. That, that if I put my hand down to pick you up, you're going to knock me down. So I'm not going to even give you my hand. I, like mm-hmm. you got to get up yourself, right? But that's not it. Like the case is that all you need to do is move over, like like pull somebody up and move over and give them space. It's the same deal. We're not trying to like tell the exporter, like we, we don't want to pay you what you charge. That's not what we're saying. We'll pay whatever the, I, I was reading in, in the source code, I was reading about, you know, like um, what you mentioned in terms of like, everyone has a, a part, like there's logistics, there's like insurance, all this stuff has to get paid so that we can actually get what we need to get out of coffee we're not saying we don't want to pay those people. We want to pay them less. What we're saying is like, we want to make sure that at the end of the day, the producer is getting more and they're getting what they need. Mm-hmm. So that overall means a higher price overall. So you're paying the same shit, 20 cents for milling, 20 cents for whatever. But we're trying to ensure that that producer um, isn't actually carrying more risk by paying a larger percentage of those costs. Yes. We- yeah. We have to truly be partners and share in the fucking risk. Absolutely. So 20 cents, I pay 10, you pay 10, you know? Um, I think that's going to be the only way. And I, and I think that it's, it's hard to 
quantify this stuff because it's so relationship based and it's so yeah. different in every country. El Salvador has different cost of production than Honduras. Yeah. So it can be like an across the board thing. But I think that, I don't know if there's overall, man, like it's frustrating as it is. I, I think the best, the only way to sort of have those conversations with your customers is just to show them exactly what you're doing and sort of what you're saying, speaking to trust and trust that they're going to go, I feel much better about buying a metric bag than I do about buying a bag from this other company um, because I I know their story and I know their efforts and I know their conversation. It's like, know where your shit comes from. It's pretty simple. Yeah. You know, who do you want to support? Do you want to support a conglomerate? You know, do you want to support a company that doesn't pay just prices or sustainable prices? Or do you want to support your local uh, roaster that's actually doing their best, the best they can, considering we don't have mm-hmm. as much, um, we don't have the robust muscle to do as much as you would like yet, you know? Yeah. We're, we're very constrained because of the size of our company, you know? Right. Uh, I uh, I keep hearing trust as the central theme. Like that's, it, it's come up a lot now. Yeah. And you sort of just touched on this, that, you know, you, you just said like, you don't know if there really is another way. And, uh, you know, the coffee supply chain is complex and very different in every country. But do you think that there is a place uh, for like a third party verification system like some kind of i i hear more talk about that and, I do. yeah you know trust for us is is crucial but but for the customer and just for like the coffee industry at large do you think yeah, yeah like a third party system would like would, would you participate in that if it was out there i think if it's if it was like a non-profit <laughs> you know right. then that would make sense but yeah i mean why mm-hmm. wouldn't you do you know what i mean like you, you don't know yeah try right so mm-hmm. i think if there was a third party that that could do all of that work you know to, to get you like here's what everything actually costs here's what um here's what we believe is the is the kind of like a, the the verified living income pricing i think if there was a party that you could either hire for what i don't know how you would hire them but that you could hire to help you gather all that data like all of it of all mm-hmm. of the entire buying program to see where your deficits are you know um I would be super into that, you know, cause it's a lot, I mean, you guys do it on your own. It's a lot of fucking work. You have a lot of relationships yeah. to, to take care of and to keep track of. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like if you could find a, a, a technology to take all those pictures on WhatsApp and texts and information mm-hmm. on WhatsApp and like, it just goes root into a funnel and then it spits out like a report. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That would be amazing. All right. Let's Talk patent about- it. All right. Yeah, that's so, a, well, we, we heard it here. Yeah, this let's is use a, this is- if there's any coders out there, any real tech yeah, do people, it. somebody, Duty, yeah. Cut us all into it. You literally would just like be like, okay, you know, like you just go producers and go here, here are all the numbers, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. it would be amazing. I would totally be into a, I'd be fine with a third party as long as you know they're legit and and again you trust them, um, and and they show their work. Of course, yeah. The idea of them being nonprofit and open books—that's a given. If you're talking about a transparency (laughs) verification business, yeah, yeah. Well, I hope it happens. I think something like that would be really useful for all. Yeah, of us. I mean, I, we, I know there's, you know, I'm, I think we all know there are some companies that do, um, yeah. they offer similar services, if you will. It's yeah. just that they're they're for profit, and that's, you know, hey, to each their own. Um, right. But they, I would say that uh, the ones I know of work for large companies. So all the major conglomerates, you know, that's that's who they're producing those reports for can afford, right they can afford their services where they like can us, afford it yeah you're like oh we'll do it for like 50k sure and it's like what like i don't what? yeah i can't do that yeah <laughs> you know 
No, yeah. totally. I mean, they're, yeah, they're, they're all about equity, but they don't, they don't explain who's equity, I guess. Like it's, yes. it's you know, yes. that's oh. the, that's the yeah. challenge. Yes. Um, man, uh, do we have any, uh, I mean, we could keep, we yeah, could keep well, this, this train going forever. I yeah, can tell you Yeah, we're approaching an hour now. So I'd say we yeah. probably yeah. better. Do we have any, well, how, can we have a parting last uh, question? Do we, can we pick a <laughs> cherry pick one of the beautiful, do you see what I did there? Cherry mm. pick? Oh, can wow. cherry pick a beautiful, a, I, I'm a dad. So you're a dad too. You know, you, you, you got corny, yeah. Yeah, oh, corny God. jokes. Uh, yeah. My son's at an age where, I don't know if your sons are, my daughter, where she, Amelia will be like, daddy. Seriously. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it's terrible. I'm like, I'm oh, yeah. that face. Fuck. Already. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> what what are you what what's your uh what are you most excited about in your in your coffee lineup coming down the pipeline? Ooh. Ah, good question because I just man. posted on Instagram about that. Um well there's two things that I that I that I'll share with I don't think I've really shared this. We're going through, I think I mentioned to Xavier, like we're we're going through a rebrand. Um, mm -hmm. is I'm very excited about it's it's been a long time coming um, so that's I'm working on that I've been working on that for a while it's gonna be good but in terms of coffee there is a producer that I've known for gosh like six years I've never this last year I bought from him uh, for Machina I've purchased mm -hmm. from him before with other companies but this year I basically took over the relationship because um, I've known him for a long time so now they're a, a Machina relationship which I'm it's Honduras uh, Benjamin Paz introduced hmm. me to them. Never heard of him. I don't know who who's yeah. that. <laughs> Benji. 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 Yeah. So they are just um, this producer that I'm working with. They just sent me a sample of their geisha. It's very tiny. I mean, it's like a tiny amount. It's like I think like half a bag or something. Yeah. But it was lovely. It was their first first harvest of it. Um, and it was and we're literally talking about you know price negotiations now of, of that of, for that little tiny bit of coffee um i'm really excited because this person is just a good person you know he works really hard and he was so excited to, to share this coffee um that i'm very excited about that uh and i think let's see what else i pretty much i'm good i contracted most of the coffees there's a couple of ethiopias that i'm looking at that i'm excited about but really like this, this one relationship coffee and from Honduras is like the one I'm really stoked about. Cause I just, are you I'm open talking. to sharing who it is? Uh, yeah. Or are you still I, waiting on? No, no, I can. I can. It's, uh, it's Erlin Nolasco, uh, Finca Emanuel. Wait, that's our coffee. What are you talking about? Is that, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what are you, Mincho, what did you do? <laughs> I'm no, kidding. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> no, he's great. He's great. Um, they're is he awesome. in El Cedra? Uh, no, he is. Uh, no, it's funny because he's in Marcala. He's not in Benjamin. So oh, I, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's. that's he's been okay. working with Benjamin for so yeah. long. I was like, I'm not gonna mess with that. You yeah, know, yeah. I, I want to use Benjamin's services. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even though it's a little bit of a truck for him. Uh, but yeah, totally different region. But, yeah. yeah. And I think, but I did put Benjamin on the hunt for another Honduras. So he said he's gonna send me some stuff. So we'll awesome. See but yeah, I'm just excited because I've known this person for almost six years. Wow. And he's like. I've got this geisha. I want you to try. I want you to be the first to try it. So I'm, I'm excited to support him, man. Well, we're excited to try it too. Yeah, we'll, we'll buy, we'll buy a couple bags it. when they come yeah, out. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Gabe, for taking the time to talk oh to my us. God, and... thanks. This is great. I'll do this anytime with you guys. I, I mean, I'm we'll have to do it again for sure. Even if it's just yeah. us chatting. Yeah. <laughs> um, man. Yeah, um, you're going to be one of the first guests on it. So we'll see. You are our the... first guest. Yes. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Thanks. So I'm honored. Thank you. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll let you know when we, when we launch the, the episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. what, what are some ways if anybody wants to get in touch with you, uh, oh, what's the best so way to, talent. they're so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. That's yeah, why yeah. He, literally, yeah, I would have, I would not ask that, but I'm glad you did. That's a, that's a very good okay, question. Ciao. See you later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> see you. Peace. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Let's see. I don't, I don't do Facebook, so I'm not on there. Uh, Instagram is just Makina Coffee Roasters or at Makina Coffee Roasters. Um, and then if you want to hit me up, just Gabriel at MakinaCoffee.com. I'll take questions of all kinds of sorts. So, and I have your cell phone right here, so let me call it out right now. It's a, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> you, you can call anytime. Oh, my God, you're such a dude. Yeah, 11.30 p.m. is the perfect time. I kid, I kid. <laughs> Gabe, listen, it's a pleasure. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, man, we just wish you like continued success, um, you know, no, health you're, and you're, happiness. You're part of it. We're a family. You're part of it, dude. Absolutely. You totally like, I have to say this before we leave. Like, yeah, totally from the very beginning, you just pushed and pushed and pushed and we're like, you can do this. You know, you got this. Yeah. Very beginnings of Makina. So I appreciate your spirit and your tenacious tenacity throughout yeah. the year, man you know likewise man i i yeah you're you're definitely like an encouragement i love seeing you know i I, i've known you for quite a long time and you know you you we've all been through our ups and downs and i think like maybe it's because of our puerto rican blood we can bounce back from all the bullshit and like all the negative stuff and we just sort of like cut through it and try to get yeah just like brush it off and keep moving and try to be positive try to be good people and uh that's that's all we can do so i i admire you for that and uh man dude this is awesome thank you of course all right all right let me know know drops i will i'll call you and uh yeah thanks colin for for moderating and for asking for asking the very good questions and we'll uh yeah yeah we'll be in touch in touch all right right. i'll talk to you later cheers yeah